Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 3, a little bit of uh, chapter 2, but really focusing on Genesis chapter 3. And as we're in this series, we're in this series uh, that is called Our War. And this series is all about spiritual warfare. And we've had some incredible messages that have come so far that if you missed any of them, just go online and catch up on some of these. Pastor Wesley ended last week uh, with the full armor of God. He talked us through all the different parts of the armor and, uh, and, and summed that up about Praying in the Spirit at all times. Like it is important that we pray in the Spirit at all times. In the grocery store, while you're pumping gas, when you're in an amusement park, in the school system. Wherever you are is one of those things that you can be praying in the Spirit and, and wearing that armor of God. And you know, there are times in my life where, um, where I'm like, you know, how do you, how do you operate in these? And I'm just telling you, a lot of them, it, it becomes second nature to you after a while. You know, you don't think about it. You just, it becomes like almost like rote memory. You, it's just, you, you put the armor on, you walk in it, you operate in it, you exercise in it. It's, let me, let me just take praying in the spirit, for example. Whenever I began to pray in the spirit, like I began to have a prayer language. That was something that was foreign to me. It was new to me. It was awkward to me. But now I'm not joking. I'm not trying to make myself look more spiritual than I am. I'm just an average guy. Maybe, well, hang on a second. Holy, Holy Spirit just said, you are not average. Okay. All right. So I'm a spirit-filled man of God. I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm a man of integrity, I'm all these things, okay? So it is nothing for me to be like, I will find myself walking through Walmart or any given store and I'll find myself praying in tongues. And I know that might sound weird to you. It's not weird to me. But I'm so familiar with it that I'm like, you know, I, before I know it, I'm, you know, I might be praying for this person over there that I sent something on. I'm not going over to that person. I'm just praying for them in the spirit because God's e either, you know, leading me to or whatever. You know, I'm, we're driving out of our neighborhood this morning. Uh, and I, I, I said, you know, Shay and I were looking at the different houses and I'm like, oh, it's pending. You know, these people are selling their houses and we drive out and there's one right there. And I'm like, Lord, help them sell their house and get a good price on it and sell it at just the right time. You know, well, that doesn't benefit me at all. You know, I mean, honestly, in the flesh, I could care less if they sell their house. There's no skin off my back. I'm not related to them and I'm not going to gain or lose from it. But it's when you walk in the spirit, like spirit just comes out of you and you'll find yourself praying for people. I, this, I'm going to say something to you now and, and, and it's going to sound weird. And I'm not sure you can find this anywhere in scripture, but I will find myself praying for the people on my TV shows. 
y'all think I'm joking or being funny, but I'll be watching uh, the, the old doctor, man, and it's like, you know, all of a sudden, man, something's going wrong in the surgery, and I'm like, Lord, help them, you know, and I'm, I'm like, you know, and then I'm realizing, oh, wait, this is all fake, you know, and I'm like, heal him in Jesus' name, God. I rebuke that, you know, um, but I say all of that to say that as we walk in the Spirit, man, it gets easier and easier and easier. You know, I'm going through some things right now. Some of you guys kind of know it. And I have people check, check on me. Pastor Rife, are you okay? Oh, Pastor Rife, I'm so sorry. And I, I'm like, hey, thank you for checking. I really am good. I really am good. Because, you know, I've got the gospel shoes of peace on. Like, I'm just walking in peace. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ. I know my heart, my life, my integrity. I know who I am in private. I know who I am when nobody not even shakes around me. I know who I am when it's just me and God alone. Like, I can walk in peace. And you can say what you want. And you can do what you want. And you can yada, yada, yada. But it's like, man, I'm just at peace. And I'm like, wow. When you were preaching last week, man, I was like, that's what the gospel shoes, that's what walking in peace, it, it, it f- must feel like, man. It's just really, really, really beautiful. And so here's where I want to leave you today. We're going to start here and I'll leave you here. But it's knowing the devil, knowing the devil is the key to defeating him. Like you got to know your enemy. Like nobody, just like Jesus said, you got to count the cost. No, nobody builds a house, just goes out and starts building a house. I mean, they ain't even counted the cost of lumber or anything. You know, they're just going out and getting some two-by-fours, and I think I'll just build this thing. You know, no, man, you have a plan. You lay it down. You know what it's going to cost you. The same way, the same principle, nobody goes into a war. I'm telling you, I don't go around picking on fights, but I've had to be in a few before. And, uh, you know, growing up, uh, man, I was bullied constantly. And uh, I was just this little old scrawny guy. And I, I don't know why people, bullies, pick on the scrawniest guys. You know, go pick on somebody your own size. But they would pick on me. And, man, I, I'm like, I ain't no match for that guy. He is huge. He is way. So, but there had been one or two times where I'm like, I think I can take him. I think I can take, and I can't take, I can't take Chris. <laughs> but I think I could take Drew. <laughs> but it's about knowing your enemy. Like, nobody goes into a war and doesn't size up their enemy to know, like, what, what are their arsenal capabilities? What, what terrain are we fighting in? You know, in, uh, in the Revolutionary War, that's why uh, the, the settlers were able to overcome the, um, the British because they would almost, like, do this guerrilla warfare because they, the British didn't know how to fight like that. I mean, if you've ever watched some of these British shows, I mean, I, I love period pieces. And, and, like, there's so many rules of war. And they literally would be having a war down on the battlefield. And the generals would be, like, eating a four-course meal 
at a table with a candelabra and they're looking out over the battlefield, you know, blah, 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 because they played with these rules. But during the Revolutionary War, all of that went out the window. And man, these settlers, they were high, uh, they, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Uh, it's going to say hijacking. That's not it. But they were, they were basically in the woods and they would just come out of nowhere. Say it again. Ambush. They would, they would come out and they would ambush them. And they weren't used to that. You know, it's like, wait, we're not ready. Let us find a large opening. And it's like, dude. You've heard all is fair in love and war. I don't know anything about the truth in that. But that's that mentality that in war, you need to know your enemy. You need to know your opponent because he knows us. The enemy knows us. As a matter of fact, he studies us. He studies our weaknesses. He studies areas that you are susceptible to sin. He looks at those. Have you ever noticed that you never get tempted in areas that don't intrigue you? Think about it now. Like, you never get, like, for somebody to come try to tempt me with drugs, (laughs) man, you can just get on out of here. I will never be tempted to do that. I will never be tempted to do that. I'm never tempted that way by the enemy. Because the enemy knows that is not a weakness of mine. But he knows my weaknesses. Pastor Rife, where's your weaknesses? I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) He knows my weaknesses. And he knows where to tempt me. And so knowing our enemy as well as he knows us is a key to defeating him. Look at what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, we're familiar with his evil schemes. Like Paul is telling the Corinthians, like, listen, the enemy is smart. The enemy is intelligent. And so that he won't outsmart us, we're going to let you know that we've studied the enemy. We know his tactics. We know how the enemy operates so that we'll be able to recognize that when we see the enemy operating. Church, listen to me now. Can I tell you? That we need to up our awareness. I believe the very first message that I preached in this series was that we've got like warfare without wisdom and discernment leads to destruction, defeat, division. Like if you're going to get into a war with the enemy, but you don't have wisdom, you don't have discernment. I'm telling you what, we've got to raise our awareness. We have to know who our enemy is. Like understanding this, that, that you, if, if, if we're having, a, I'll just use Harold for ex, an example. Like if Harold and I are having an issue, it's not Harold. Harold is my brother. In Christ. It's not Harold. It's a spirit that might be working in Harold. Or let me not make you the bad guy. Let me be the bad guy. Okay. And I begin to attack my brother. It's really not me. It's a spirit behind that's manipulating me. And so, so many times, if you don't know who your enemy is, a spirit, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against rulers, authorities, principalities, powers, and high places. Like, if we don't know who our enemy is, we'll begin to fight one another. We'll begin to think that you're my enemy. And all of a sudden, we got a personal, fleshly, one-on-one war going on with each other. When in reality, it is not that. Even in your own home, friction between husband and wife. Like, man, when your wife or your husband is coming against you or something. Like, again, if we're walking in the spirit, walking in the spirit, heightened a level of discernment and wisdom, we can realize, wait, the in, what is happening here? What is happening here? Something supernatural is going on. There's something happening. Let's pray about it instead of being at each other's throats. And so I want to dive into Genesis chapter 3 because Genesis chapter 3 is really the first place in Scripture where we begin to see uh, Satan and uh, his fallen origin. This is where we see him. We don't see him when he's an angel in heaven. This is not where we come into the story. We learn about that later over in like Isaiah. But, but right now, we're introduced to Satan, the devil, in the Garden of Eden. And in Genesis chapter 3, I just want to read through this with you. We're probably going to read uh, the majority of this chapter. And in verse 1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest or maybe the most cunning in some of your versions, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Like, listen, man, just studying scripture and taking it slow and one, you know, sentence at a time and just studying it out. There's so much here that you could just dive into and go deep. Like the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Shrewd is not a bad characteristic. Shrewd is like wise. Like somebody who is shrewd in business, they're, they're very wise in their business dealings. They're very uh, acute. They have, a high, they have a business acumen that is like zeroed in, you know. So God made the serpent shrewd. For so many years, I read this like, wow, he's just mischievous. God didn't make anything like that. And it says that he was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. So out of all the animals God made, there were different capacities of wisdom. And the serpent was the most shrewd or the shrewdest. I personally believe that's probably why Satan picked him to appear. Like, why not appear in a giraffe? Why not appear in a hippopotamus? He appeared and he looked for the shrewdest. Like, the enemy does that in our circles as well. The enemy looks for those who are shrewd. Wise, together. Why? Because wise people have a following. People listen to wise people. Now, a lot of you guys are too young. Or, yeah, some of y'all are too young for this. But that commercial that we used to see, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Why? Because E.F. Hutton is shrewd in the marketplace 
in the financial market. And when E.F. Hutton says something, everybody pays attention. Why? They have a following because they're shrewd. They have a following because they're wise. The enemy will look for wise people. Wise people. Now, pastor, if they're so wise, then how could they be deceived? Because the enemy is powerful. The scripture, I shared it with you when I preached last. The scripture says that if it were possible, even the very elect of God would be deceived by the enemy. If it were possible. What makes it possible? Does anybody remember the answer to that? What makes it possible to be deceived? You do. If it were possible, if you make it possible for him to deceive you, He can't just deceive you. You have to allow yourself to be deceived. And so he was the shrewdest. I haven't even got off of verse 1. He was the shrewdest of all the animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman. All right. There's so many things in this. This ain't even stuff we need to be talking about. But I just find it interesting. Like he talked. Did animals talk? Before the fall, like did donkeys talk and giraffes? Did they have full-blown conversations? This one did. And so somehow, we don't know if it was telepathic. We don't know if it was like, man, his lips actually moved. We don't know. But he talked to her somehow. And he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from the fruit? From any of the trees in the garden. All right. He's just asking a question. Doesn't seem to be anything inherently evil in that. But it's misleading. He says. Did God really say. You must not eat from any of the trees in the garden. And then her response in verse 2 is. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. Wait. Wait. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. In verse 3 she says, it's only the one uh, from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. Wait, it's only the one, do y'all remember what they were? Tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Do Do you know how many thousands of years we're away from this incident and we know what they're called but she seems to not even know what they're called this is important friends she seems now again I don't know maybe Holy Ghost was just trying to save paper or something but she completely admits the tree in the middle of the garden well there were two All right, are you following me if not I'll take you there First of all, there's two in the garden in the middle. And she doesn't even seem to know what the name of the one that she can recall. There's a problem right there. I'll dive into it a little later. But there's a problem right there in her knowledge base. So, the enemy, who is he approaching? He's approaching the woman. He's approaching the one who seems to not have a fairly solid knowledge base 
of her geography and how things work within the garden. And so because of her lack of knowledge, here he approaches her. Am I making sense? All right. And so she said, we're not allowed to eat the one in the middle of the garden. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Well, first of all, if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, this is what it says. The Lord God placed man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, if you freely eat the fruit, uh, you may freely eat of the true fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Did y'all hear anything about touching it, looking at it, talking about it? He just, he did not say that. But here she's saying to the enemy, he said we can't eat from it and we can't touch it. That's not what God said. So either she is grossly in error of her understanding or she's adding to it, which I don't fully understand why she would do that. However, you can agree with me at least that there's a problem in her uh, you know, recalling the, the, the events that were there. And granted, she wasn't there when God said this. So Adam's responsibility was to tell her and to teach her what we can and can't do. And we don't know if the fault is on Adam for not teaching well or her for not receiving and listening well. All right, listen to me, church family. You can take all of this stuff and apply it to the modern day church or your family or your children. Like all I'm responsible for doing is teaching my children the way of the Lord. The best, the most accurate, the most disciplined that I can do. What they do with it when they get become accountable is up to them. I am also, in my younger days as a minister, I felt this huge weight that I have the responsibility to make you guys live right. It is not my responsibility to make sure you live right and to be some kind of moral police over the church. My job is to preach and teach the word of God and what you do with it, how well you hear it. And I'm telling you, I get up and I do this for a living for 35 years and I've been doing this and I can tell you, you can come into a place and you can listen to a message and 80% of the people in here will be like, man, that was amazing. And 20% of the people will leave out of here and out of those 20%, uh, you know, 3% of them will be mad and be ready to leave the church because the pastor's done ticked them off. Uh, you know, 5% will be like, I don't know what the heck he was talking about. You know, uh, another 8% will be blah, blah, blah. But you get the point. And it's like, so all I'm responsible for doing is trying to preach and teach the word of God to the best of my ability at the level of the people that I oversee. You know what I'm saying? So, Like what I try to do, 
I try to be like Jesus. I try to be at a place where a teenager can understand this. And if they really want to receive and grow in the Lord, they can get this. And somebody who has a doctorate or a master's or something in engineering does not get bored and fall asleep in the middle of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's a big gap right there. But I try to hit at a place and people say that they believe that Jesus taught at kind of a sixth grade level. So that, that at that level, you've got the upper that can, that can understand down, and you've got the lower that can understand up. And so, you know, I preach the word of God in a way that hopefully when you leave here, you'll be able to take this and actually apply it to your life. I, it's not my, I, listen, I, I wish I could preach that way. I wish I could preach like some of these guys on TV. I wish I could preach some of those red hot fire zingers and they would, you would come left and right. But that's not the calling on my life. The calling upon my life is pastor teacher. And so I'm, I'm just teaching the word. And there are times when it's like, man, I wish I could get in there and, 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 and preach like these guys because it gets you so excited. I don't know about you, but man, when the preacher's got me up on my feet, I'm like excited. I'm like, wow, you know, come on, man, bring it, bring it, bring it. And, but, but here's the thing, like emotional will, will wane so fast. It will wane so fast, man. You need something that uh, you just, it goes deeper than a sugar high. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you need something that it's going to be able to bring out. And so, hey, I know how to do this. I know how to fight with this. I know how to take this and apply it later in life. And so looking back at this, she says, if you do, you'll surely die. And look at what the devil said in verse four. He said, you won't die. Blatantly contradicting the word of God. He said, you will not die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Here's the problem with deception, guys. That the enemy does not just tell us lies. He mixes lie and truth, truth and lie. He mixes it. So that, like, if it's just all ball-faced lies over and over, that's just too easy to reject. But when it's a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie and a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie, that's what makes it easy. But that's why we have to walk in a spirit of discernment that we know what is truth and what is not. I'm telling you, you can tell in your spirit. You might not even be able to tell specifically, but you know something's off. You know something's off. That's where we have to walk in that level of the spirit. And so look at this, verse six. The woman was convinced. She bought it. She bought it. Hey, friends, listen, there's so much in here that, we're not getting until you read the full context of the story. Listen, oh God, this is so good. And I have to be careful because of, of, of things going on in my personal world that I, I, I don't, you know, get too deep into that. But listen to me, listen to me. She was convinced when she knew the opposite was true. Here's what we're not seeing until you read it in context. Every day, 
she and Adam were walking up close, face to face with God the Father, creator of heaven and earth himself. The fullness of the Trinity. Walking face to face. Do you see how powerful the enemy is? I mean, this isn't somebody that just got on the potato truck yesterday. Like, this is somebody who, the one who breathed life into him and the one who took her out of man as a rib and fashioned her and walked with her, they had a God audience every day in the cool of the day. And he was talking and teaching and maturing them. But the enemy talks to her how quickly we can turn. I've seen it, man, with my own two eyes, like how quickly people can turn. I saw this uh, thing uh, of Catherine Kuhlman. Anybody know who Catherine Kuhlman is? I'm going to do my Catherine Kuhlman uh, impersonation. She, she's, I'm, I'm just flipping through and I see this uh, video of her and she's like, she's like, Young people, if I could tell you one thing. Isn't that good? That is so like Catherine. She's like, one thing is that people are fickle. But God. Sounds just like her, doesn't it? She was saying, people are fickle. One day they will love you and the next day they will hate you. People are fickle. The enemy will find places where the enemy can get in. And just like that, Eve was one of those people. The mother of humanity was one of those people that... At one moment, she's walking with God up close and personal. She does not hear things secondhand from somebody about the creator. And all of the sudden, the enemy appears, tells her some half-truths and some, you know, lies. And she turns just like that. And then, verse 7, she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her. Oh my God, got to stop, got to stop. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her. Now, dude, most of the stuff that I post on Facebook ain't even my stuff. It's somebody else because I ain't that smart to think those things. Somebody asked me one time, why do I post so many, uh, you know, little sayings and things? I'm like, because I wasn't smart enough to say that. Somebody else got me, beat me to it. And it's so good. I just want to repost it because it's so good. But what happens is that like, Wisdom doesn't come from Facebook. It doesn't come from Lisa Tykerst. It doesn't come from, you know, uh, whoever, whoever, whoever out there that we can quote and, 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 and put their next look. Wisdom, the scripture says, wisdom is a gift of the spirit. And if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask 
Somebody on Facebook? Dr. Phil? Okra Winfrey? Nope, nope. Who do you ask? The Lord. You ask God. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask the Lord, and God will give us wisdom. I'm telling you what, there are so many times when the enemy will put stuff in front of us, and before, I'm, I'm like, the first thing, you can ask my wife, but the first thing is like, got to pray about it, got to pray about it, got to pray about it. Because if we do not pray, we can get in our flesh, we can get in our feelings, and all of a sudden we're operating out of feelings, and now I'm fighting a fleshly war when it's not a fleshly war. So I'm over here fighting somebody in the flesh or something in the flesh when the enemy's not fighting in the flesh. He's fighting in the spirit realm. So I ain't even in, listen to me, I ain't even in the right battle. I don't know if you've ever watched those movies where they're waiting, they're waiting on their reinforcements to come in and they find out some of these old World War I and II movies where they didn't have lots of great communication and they find out that their troops that are coming in with supplies and everything are in a whole different geographical area and they suffer a defeat. Listen, that's how it is sometimes in the spirit realm. We'll get to fighting in the natural while the enemies over here fighting in the supernatural and we are getting defeated and clobbered and we're wondering why is this happening and why is this going on because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood we are wrestling in the spirit realm and we're not operating in a level of wisdom we don't go to facebook for our wisdom i, I you can get it there but i'm talking about you know n- not a book the book this is where we get our wisdom from and when the enemy begins to move in and encroach upon our territory and he will do that and it comes what we have to do we have to get ourselves together and say hey I got to pray about this for a second I got to get alone with God here because if I don't I'm going to get in the flesh really fast I'm going to get in the flesh really fast and when I get in the flesh that's when I begin to lose the battle that's when I begin to lose the battle she saw the fruit was good She saw it looked good. It sounded good. Somebody comes along to you and they'll tell you something. Oh, that sounds good. I'm telling you, I have grown through this. I still have to catch myself. My wife will come and tell me something and I will tell her, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, first of all, I need to pray about it, but I also have to find out other things. Wesley comes and tells me, got to Brian Smith comes to tell me, I got to check into it. I got to check into it. But in the past, I would not do that. Why? Because I trusted you. I trusted you. But I have learned, as Catherine Kuhlman said, people are fickle. And guess what? People are human. And they'll hear something through their trauma They'll hear something through their preference. They'll hear something through their wrong doctrine that they learned while they were growing up. They'll hear this message. Like I've had people here, some of y'all and other people that have been offended and, and upset. And some people over the course of years have left the church because they heard one thing. I had a lady one time to, to uh, come and say, you know, when you said this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I'd never said that. Yes, you said that because, and I said, well, here's a good thing. 
it's on audio. It's on video. So let's just back it up and let's just go listen. And I said, if I said it, I will eat it. I'll apologize. I'll make it correct. If I didn't, you're going to. So I go back. I get it. We, we, I'm like, hey, here's where you can find this online. It's at, you know, mile marker 15 minutes and 36 seconds. Like, go listen to it. What that person had done, they were listening to the message through their trauma. And what I said, nowhere near what she thought. However, to her, it was truth. Because she heard it through trauma. Are you following me? She heard it through trauma. And so when we're listening, we've got to walk through. Like in this message today, family, you have to be listening with wisdom and discernment. I'm telling you. I'm not telling you anything that I have not been the recipient of the other side of this. I was sitting in uh, church one day. My pastor's preaching on something. I'm like, no, it ain't. I'm like, that's not true. And I want to straighten him out after church. And I'm going to show him, like, that's not true. And he gave the scripture verse. And I'm like, let me, we're going to talk about this after church. And I'm like, okay, he's right. Because one, I don't know everything and neither do you. Two, what I do know could be incorrect. Three, what I do know could be incomplete. The scripture says that we know in part, we foresee in part. I may just know half of it. I may not have gotten that other half. I may never have heard it and my, and my, my wisdom increases that day. But let's get back to this. All right, so, so she took some of the fruit and she ate it. I'm in verse uh, six or seven, I believe, six. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Now, here's the thing. I, we don't know if he was with her when the enemy, because it doesn't tell us when he was with her. We just know she, he was with her when she ate it. And they ate it at the same time. But we don't know if he was with her when the enemy was speaking to her. Like maybe he was. We just don't know that. But he was close by. And so she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment their eyes were opened and they uh, suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so they sewed figs together to cover themselves. And when the cool breezes were blowing the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid, all right, that right there, their separation. All right, so here they are. They're, they've been consorting with the enemy over here. They believe these lies. They've done these different things. And so now they're hiding. And uh, let me just read down through here because I got some stuff on the screen I want to show you. Then the Lord God called out to man and he said, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked, the Lord asks. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman. I'm telling you, that woman, them women's. It was the woman that you gave 
me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed. More than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. And then he said to the woman, I'll sharpen your pain uh, during pregnancy, and in the pain you will give birth, and you will desire control. Listen to the, oh my God. I don't even have time to get in this today, but we're getting into this sometime during, the, uh, during this series, all right? And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Like, she did not desire to rule over her husband until the fall. The fall happens, and all of the sudden, a spirit comes upon her. And so now there's this desire to control the husband. But he'll rule over you. And then he said to the man, Since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life you're going to struggle to scratch a living from it. It'll grow thorns and thistles and for you, though you will eat of its grain. By the sweat of your brow, you'll have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from dust and you will return to dust. And so I'm just going to kind of leave it right there. All right, so... This is the first time we're seeing Satan. We know it's Satan because in the book of Revelation, it refers to him, to Satan, as the serpent. So we know this is Satan, even though it doesn't uh, outright say that this is the fallen angel Lucifer inhabiting the body of a serpent. We know it is because of Revelation. And so this is where we first see the enemy. This is where we first get a glimpse of him. And he begins to show his true colors. And it's not like anything you would see in any, hear me. It is not like anything that you would see on any demonic movie on the movie screen. As a matter of fact, he's the most shrewd uh, of all the animals. The scripture also talks about this is not a snake like we see it today. And many theologians believe that this was a beautiful creature. Uh, many think that it could have possibly had wings. I don't really know where they get that from. But they assume that it could have legs because all of a sudden it went from uh, not crawling on the ground to slithering and crawling on the ground. So there was a deformity that took place because of the fall. But before this, the angel had appeared in an entirely different form. And so this is where we see him. And the enemy does not appear to us in, in, in any way of what you might see on television. That is not reality. So say this with me. Knowing the devil is the key to defeating him. And so I want to share, share with you some things. This is what to know about your enemy, Satan. Number one, he's subtle. The enemy is subtle. The scripture says he was the most shrewd. Some versions say he was the subtlest of all the animals. Some say he was the most cunning of all the animals, depending on what version. So the enemy is subtle. You're hardly ever going to have an encounter with the enemy where the enemy comes up and says, listen, I'm the devil. 
I'm here to kill, steal, and destroy, take everything from you. I'm here to really screw your life up. I'm really here to divide and conquer. And, you know, and you're not going to see that. I'm telling you, if the devil were to appear to me like that 1970s exorcist film that I watched one time when my parents didn't know I was watching the TV and it scared me halfway to death, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, that thing comes out of the dark and uh, appears to me, I'm like, uh-uh, you ain't got to worry about me pairing up with you because, no, that's why he doesn't do it. You'll never see the enemy in his truest form the first time you lay eyes on it. He always comes in a very subtle, very cunning way. It'll appear wise. As a matter of fact, as scripture, we listen to scripture, the scripture tells us that in this day and time, we are living in a day and time where uh, the scripture tells us that, that the people will believe a lie as truth and truth as a lie. Are we not living in that day? Are we not living in that day? We literally are right there. And so the enemy subtly comes in. And all of the sudden, things that we never in a thousand years would have ever imagined that we are seeing on TV or being taught in our schools. And all, how did it get there? Subtly. How did it get there? Subtly. There was an agenda. They knew that it, do, listen, dude, do you think that in 1970, even though it was there, that if they had marched into my elementary school with a pride flag, we didn't even know what that was, and they begin to teach some of the things that they are teaching today, that that would have gone over like a lead balloon. But today, it is everywhere. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. And so how does he do it? He does it subtly. Number two, he does it strategically. Look at this verse, Ephesians 6.1, that Pastor Wesley uh, taught us last week. Very first verse talking about the armor. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. All the schemes of the devil. Like the enemy is very strategic. Like he does not just throw a plan together. He doesn't do anything off the cuff. He's very strategic in what he does. Like, we know that God has a plan for our life. What is that, Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, give you hope in a future. Just like God has a plan, the enemy has a plan, and it's a scheme. This one's to bless you, prosper you, give you hope in a future. Over here is to kill, steal, and destroy but they're both strategic. The enemy has strategic plans. And these are the, these are, the, here's the strategy. Number one, he shows up in the garden. What's the first thing he begins to do? He deceives her. Did God really say, well, I don't think so. This is what I think he said. This is what he said, which is not what he said. It was sort of a mixture of what he said and something she came up with somewhere else. But do you understand, church, family, that that is how we are as well? Like, there's stuff that people believe, and I'm like, where do you get that? Well, it's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. I don't want to get too far into it because it would take me too long, and I'm out of time almost. But I've talked to my mom, and I'm like, so wh where is that, mom? Well, it's in the Bible. 
And I'm like, Mom, that's not in the Bible. I'm actually, I mean, this is back when I was in seminary. And she's like, yes, I just don't believe God intended that for us. And, and it's not, you know, in the Bible it says, and I'm like, Mama, it does not say that. As a matter of fact, if you're going to use Scripture for, for, your, for your principle, there's way more to prove the opposite of what you're saying. So, like, you better go find a different source than the Bible. Because if you go look in here, you're going to find the opposite of what you're saying. Did I change my mom's mind? Son, I'm so glad we're paying all that money for you to go to seminary. And, well, you're, you're the expert. So, dude, it didn't change her. It did not change her mind whatsoever. To this day, she still has those thoughts. Where did you get that? Because somebody taught it to her and she just took it. Dude, I'm telling you what, it does not matter what I teach you. It does not matter what words come out of my mouth on this stage on any given day of the week. If it does not line up with this, I'm a bald-faced liar. I need to be corrected. I need to be reproved. And, and I come into alignment with this. This doesn't come into alignment with me. What I'm doing with you today is called exegesis. It's like the word is speaking to us. Eisegesis is where I take it and I make the word speak what I want it to do to prove my point. He's deceptive. He's deceptive. That's his strategy. He will take a little bit of truth and he'll weave in whatever it is to get you to believe a lie. The second thing is this. He disguises himself. The enemy will disguise himself. He never comes in his truest form. Scripture says that the enemy comes as an angel of light. The enemy never comes in this form that's going to immediately repulse you. It's going to come in a way that is going to make you warm up to it. Listen to me. There's a, oh, there's this old country song. <clears throat> uh, somebody's knocking, should I let him in? Lord, it's the devil, would you look at him? Uh, I heard about him, but I never dreamed. He'd have blue eyes and blue jeans. Think about that. Think about that country song for just a second. Hey, ladies that are singing. All single ladies, all single. Listen, don't y'all be, you walk in discernment for your man. Whoever that person's going to be, walk in discernment. Because he will show up with blue eyes, well, blue jeans. He'll, he'll sh no, no, no. Like, the enemy will show up sometimes as these people that, man, you might be attracted to them. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That ain't your mate. That's not God's best for you. Uh-uh. No. Uh, well, this is this job for me. No, are, are, you, are you going on what the, what, the, what the salary of the job is? Are you listening to God and God's not even wanting you to move to another state and get that job and blah, blah, blah. What are, sins of the flesh are the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. That's, that's what this, the, the major sins of the world are. Like, why, why? The enemy will present situations to you, whether it's a, a job situation, whether it's a relational situation. It could be uh, because it's, Somebody that you love uh, and, and, and you have empathy for or sympathy for. 
and shows up in, in that. And you have to be careful because the enemy plays to our emotions, never our intellect. He plays to our emotions first, not necessarily our intellect. So you gotta be careful when things are emotional and things are very high. Step back away from that situation, my friend. Step back away from that situation and seek God, seek wisdom in that situation because if you are not careful, you'll get pulled into something you wish you had not been pulled into. The strategy involves deceit. It involves being in disguise. It involves the dumb. I'm not trying to belittle or speak down to anybody. But when you're looking at this, the enemy plays to our ignorance. He played to her ignorance of the word. Now, she didn't have the word like in a, in a grapha form like this. She had the rhema word, the right now word. She had the word of God himself that he had spoken it to her and uh, uh, Adam had shared with her. Like that's the word she had, but she was still dumb, ignorant of certain aspects of the word. And so the enemy, many times, based upon our ignorance of the word, the enemy will move in and he will begin to strategize due to our ignorance of the word to get us to believe a lie. Or we might be, in other words, being dumb, being ignorant, doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like uh, you're uh, incapable. It means you literally are without. That's why I said earlier a portion we may know a portion of the truth we know we we may know portions of the word but not know everything so our our understanding many times can be incomplete and so the enemy steps in during those times and he looks for people who either are bankrupt of the word or they're young in the word or they, they may not know the word and he'll step in to those seasons of their life and he'll deceive them based upon what they don't know. And if we're living in a day where you accept truth as a lie and lie as a truth, then what happens is, is you're accepting things because they just sound right. I'm not sure how many of you guys have read things on Facebook or you've heard a song somewhere and you're singing it and all of, oh, I, this just happened to me this week and I cannot remember the example. I wish I could. I was singing this song, and as I'm singing this song, it's a song that we sing in church, and I'm like, that's not right. I, I can't remember it, doggone it. But I'm sitting there, it sounds so good. And it's like, it's, it's such a good, catchy tune, but it's not biblically accurate. And we've sung it all these years. Why? Just because somebody else told us to sing it, and we sang it, and all of a sudden... And then you realize, wow, that's not a major deal, but you got to be careful because some of the greatest heresy put to music can lead you astray. All right. So look at this doubt. When he approached her in the garden, he said, you know, is this what God said? Is this what God said? I'm telling you what the enemy is so powerful in doubt. As a matter of fact, now I'm growing out of this. This is where an area where I'm growing. 
when something goes wrong in my world, it might go wrong in the church. Do you know the first thing that pops in my mind? Anybody want to guess? Uh Uh-uh. What did I do? 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 And listen to me. You know me well enough. If you've been around here for uh, any length of time, Psalm 139, 23 and 24 is one of my benchmark scriptures. Search my heart, O God. If there's anything in me that offends you, like point it out to me, God. Correct me. Correct me, Lord. Like, but here's the deal. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. So anytime something goes wrong, when, you, when the first verse is, well, you must have done something wrong. Well, you must have done, or you must have, you must have. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. So immediately, when that's the first thing, you pick that up. You go with that. And all of a sudden, you're down this road of doubting. You'll doubt yourself. You'll doubt God. Well, all of a sudden, God spoke to you and he said, you know, I'm going to provide for you. Well, he says that in his word, period. But I'm going to provide for you. This job is coming or I've got the job coming for you and you applied for this job and it didn't happen. And Well, I guess God didn't come through for you. Look at how he's blessing old Steve over there. And all of a sudden doubt. Well, I wonder what I'm doing wrong. How many times have I heard my church family say, Pastor Rife, I just don't know what I'm doing wrong. You, you ever heard that or had anybody say it? What am I doing wrong? Listen, you ain't doing anything wrong. You hold on. I can't, well, why is it happening? I don't know why it's happening. There could be a thousand different ways. Well, the devil's just after me. Well, maybe God's uh, withholding it for some reason. Maybe God's trying to teach you something. Have you prayed about it? Have you sought wisdom in it? Because that's what you need to do. But the enemy, he will move in and he'll begin to operate in doubt. I know some things in my world recently. I've had several of you have said, well, Pastor Rife, I'm wondering what's wrong. And I'm like, well, there's something wrong, but it doesn't necessarily mean me, you, us as a church. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know. Believe me, I've asked the Lord. I don't know the answer, but I know every day I get up, every day I get up, I get up with a grateful heart. I get up with a, with a contrite spirit. I get up and go, God, I want to walk. I want to be the best reflection of you. I know I'm not every day, but I want to I be the best reflection I can of you. Just kind of keeping myself at that humble place because why? God opposes the proud. Why would, why would anybody in their right mind, wise mind, want to go that route when they know God's going to be fighting you? God's not just neglecting you. The scripture says God opposes the proud. He will fight you. And that is not a battle any of us are going to win. And so he brings in doubt. He also brings in disobedience. So here we look. When the scripture tells us that Adam was deceived over at Paul's talking to Timothy. And he said, Adam was, uh, or, uh, Adam was disobedient. Eve was deceived. Like the enemy came in, lied to her. She bought that hook, line, and sinker. But Adam heard straight from God himself. These two trees, you can't touch that one. Say it again. Right. Eve, she said, Eve didn't consult the source, but she's deceived. So here you have Adam 
He, he knew the source. He knew what God had said. He knew the truth. He had taught the truth. But he disobeyed. Listen, like we don't, we're not told these things in Scripture. What would have happened? Y'all don't, y'all don't do this, do you? Y'all don't hypothesize about, I wonder what would have happened if this had happened. Like what would have happened if Adam had said, Woman, what are you doing? Have you lost your gourd? No, we're not eating that. Throw that back. Like, we're not doing that. And she's like, well, I'm going to eat it and do what I want to. And she did. But he didn't. Do you ever think about that? Because here's where we failed. We Like, the fall and everything that came did not come because of her deception. It came because of his disobedience. And, and I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't spend my time thinking about things like that, but I do. And I'm like, wow, what if Adam had not done that, and she, but she had? I promise you, I don't know what God would have done. I'll maybe speculate about that another day. But I truly believe that we would not have fallen like we fell because the responsibility was on Adam. And Adam is the one who disobeyed, not was deceived. Look at this one, division. So what happened here is after all of this, they walked. They had a daily appointment every day in the cool of the day. God's presence comes into the garden. They go out to meet him and they have conversation and they have community. And all of the sudden, they realize, oh my gosh, we're naked. Well, you were naked before. Nothing has changed. Your perception, your perversion. Are you following me? All of the sudden, nakedness became perverted. All of the sudden, your view has changed. Your world view has changed. God saw you in your nakedness before. He created you in your nakedness and it was beautiful. God saw nothing changed except your view. And all of a sudden, that view created division. Because now there was shame where there wasn't shame before. And they didn't want to be in God's presence. Why? Because sin has a hard time being in the presence of God. It doesn't mean that sin can't be in the presence of God. And that's a whole nother message I don't want to get into today. But listen to me. Sin separates us from God. Sin divides. And so when the enemy, his whole goal... I mean, he's, this is a strategy. It's starting from the top down. He's getting down to this place. So what happens is he begins to get to this place of division. And if we allow div- division to happen, that's why unity is so important in the body of Christ. When we get to a place of division, the next step is destruction. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so... 
you look at things and go, how did we go from zero to 80 that quick in a heartbeat? In the words of Catherine Kuhlman, they will love you one day and they will hate you the next. One day they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lord. The next day, give us Barabbas, crucify him. One day to the next, complete, utter chaos and destruction. And so what happens is that the enemy came in and completely destroyed that whole relationship. Thank God he made a way. Thank God he made a way. God, he put them out of the garden. And, you know, we look at this as God's, you know, just punishment. And God really wasn't punishing Adam and Eve. God was protecting them because there was still a tree of life. Now, I don't know. We, that gets so interesting to me. And there are those that believe, and I'm not sure if I'm one of them or not, but there are those that believe, like, what was the purpose of the tree of life? Because we're not, you know, the scripture doesn't go into detail about it. And there are those that believe that the tree of life was the, subs, uh, was the sustenance of eternity. Like, when, to live forever, you, you eat from the tree of life. Because we know that Scripture talks about how, man, they can't eat from that tree. we got to get them out of here real quick. Because if they were to have eaten from the tree of life in their fallen state that they would be eternally damned and no hope for them. So God gets them out of the garden. He seals that off. It was actually for, the, for our benefit. And so look at this. The enemy, that's his strategy. But look at this. The enemy is strong. The enemy, don't underestimate. If you, as you're knowing your enemy, don't underestimate the enemy. The disciples were sent out, and, and God him, uh, Jesus himself said to the disciples when they came back, they're like, dude, we tried to do what you said, and we can't do it. Like, we cannot cast these devils out. So what, tell me what you did. Tell me what you did. They start re- recapping what they did, and he's like, oh, so you guys are up against some of those authorities in high places. Yeah. Lack of faith. All right, so that's up there in doubt. But he's like, so y'all are fighting some high-level demons. So I'm going to send you back out to do this. I'm going to send you back out. And then he sends them back out, and they go out, and they are able to cast those devils out, whereas they couldn't before. And you need to understand that the enemy is strong, that the enemy is not to be taken lightly. And so many times in people's ignorance, because... It sounded good when some preacher was preaching it. Well, if the devil was here tonight, I'd take him and tie his ponytail together and, you know, slap him around and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you might and you might not. I don't know your prayer life. I know that there were seven boys in the scripture and their dad was the chief priest. All of them were 
raised in the temple, and they tried that, and it, it, it beat them butt naked. I mean, ripped their clothes off, sending them, and the enemy is powerful. We do not need to underestimate the power of the enemy. He is strong. The scripture calls him the strong man. He is the one that gets a foothold and he will build a stronghold. You follow me? He will just, all he needs is a little sliver to get his foot in that door and, and, and then get in and he builds a stronghold. It's not a weak hold. And the, devil, uh, the scripture does not call him the weak man. The scripture calls him, who's, who's calling him that? God is calling him that. God knows he's strong because God made him strong. The enemy is very powerful. He is very potent. He is very strong. He is very powerful, but he's not all powerful. And young, young boys, listen to me. I used to believe that the enemy and God are like two enemies and they're fighting. And, and you know, it's like, which one's going to win? You know, which one's going to win? Because I thought they were equal. That's just inerrant teaching or assumption on my part. No, my friend, he is already overcome. He is the overcomer. He is the creator, not the conquered, but he is the conqueror. And which leads me to my last one. He's subjugated. He's subtle, he's strategic, he's strong, but he's subjugated. And this is the one that should get us the most excited of all. He says, God in the garden says, he looks at the devil and he says, listen, you will forever be under the feet of man. His heel, you might try to strike it, but he's going to crush your head. He's going to crush your head. He will always be under our feet. And listen to me. Whatever fight you are in, church, whatever might be going on in your world, it might be physical, financial, or it might just be a mental or a spiritual, maybe emotional place that you are at. Hear me, hear me, hear me. The devil is under your feet, so start acting like it. He is subjugated. He's under. He is not over. And whatever you're going through, and this is what I tell myself every day when I wake up. He is under my feet. 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 I, I, he, I am the head. I am not the tail. I do not subvert myself to the enemy and his plans for my life. He is subjected to what God's destiny is on my life. Amen. And so he's subjugated. So this is something that man, every person in this house we should take joy in understanding that, listen, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how hot your hell is. I don't know how, how uh, strong your storm is. I don't know what you're going through. And, 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 and y'all really uh, don't fully know what all I go through. But I can tell you this, for every single person that will receive it, he is under our feet. He is under our feet. He is under our feet. And I'm telling you what, just like, just like um, I have told you before, there are times when I'll hear the Lord's blessing or somebody will say a blessing over me or, you know, a compliment or whatever, something positive. And there are times I'll literally go, man, I just received that. And I don't even know if they know what I'm doing. But you know what? I'm, I'm pulling it close to my bosom. I'm pulling it close to my chest. Like it's dear to me. And I'll, I'll just physically go, man, I receive that. 
Likewise, when the enemy comes to discourage you, to lie to you, to cause you to doubt, to try to deceive you, to try to take something from you, to make a declaration over your life when it's like, I ain't receiving that. This is what, just like pulling something, I encourage you to do this. (laughs) I ain't receiving it. I ain't receiving it. I ain't receiving it. It's just a, it may sound so silly to you, but it's a prophetic act. And it's like, no, mm -mm, nope. And then, you know, before you know it, it'll get easier for you. I'll find myself sometimes going, mm mm. Mm mm. I know where you at. You right there. You right there. You right there. Put you in your place. I will put you in your place. No, you ain't not, you're not going to come in here accusing me. Put you in your place, accuser. No, you're not going to declare that over me and my family. I'll put you in your place. Put you in your place. Next thing you know, you'll be like some of those people. I can't do it like, the, like when I go to Africa, when I go to Nigeria, they'll be getting down, you know. But I'll be like, you know, next thing you know what, you're, mm, you got it going on. You got it going on. You got it going on. Y'all see me in Walmart. I'll be speaking in tongues and, 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 and stomping on stuff. Say it with me. Knowing the devil is the key to defeating him. Know your enemy, church. Don't underestimate the enemy. I had a person come to me one time, and I love them. I love them. I love them. And they said, Pastor Wright, you know, I feel like you give the devil too much credit. You, you just, and I'm like, man, you're going to have to take that up with God himself. Because he said he's the strong man. He says, be sober, be vigilant, look out for him, be aware of his tactics. Don't take him for granted. You pay attention. He said to Peter, he said, Peter, he said, the enemy has desired to crush you and sift you as wheat. He said, Peter, just outside that door, he waits for you. This is coming from the lips of our Lord. It's like, don't take your eye off the enemy. You keep one eye on him and one eye on the prize. All right? Knowing the enemy, the devil is the key to defeating him. How can you keep this um, in practice? All right? Increase in the word. Psalm 119, 11 says... I've hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I will not sin against you. Guys, I'm just telling you, over the last several weeks, I've just had to go to the word. What does the word say? 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 And when you go back to the word every time, you don't even have to open it up. Many times it's just in your heart. What is the word saying? Increase your knowledge of the word. Number two, increase in discernment. Grow in discernment. If you don't have wisdom or discernment, ask the Lord. God, I've fallen so many times into these situations where, like, I just swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. Like, I've done that before. And I was very wrong. I was misled. I was betrayed. Not even them trying to betray me, but you know, 
And I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm like, God, no, I want to know what your truth is. The scripture says in John that Holy Spirit lives in me. He lives in you. And the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. That's what the Spirit says. The Word says. So increase in discernment.